We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is up, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name, as always, is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com, and joining me tonight, just like every other night, is my partner in crime, my co-host, Eric Crocker. What's up, bro? What's up, what's up, man? How you doing, man? How's life? Uh, it's been good. A little bit boring, you know, without the 49ers, but I, I, I'm managing. I know. Dude. We were just talking about that, the fact that they played on, on – their last game was on a Sunday, and then they have a bye week, and then they don't play again until Monday night. So that's like a huge 12-, 13-day break for 49ers football. And at this point, it just seems weird. Yeah, I think the, the the players, they probably enjoy it. You know, you get a little bit of time away. You get to rest your brain a little bit. Um, you know, these – football, man, it's the, – the mental part of it, I think that's the most exhausting part, like, during the season – uh, you know, as far as practice and stuff like that, you know, you're not practicing very hard, uh, working on little things here and there, um, mainly scheme stuff. You know, depending on the coach, some coaches, they they still, like, go all out in practice. But um, this is a, the mental part where that you need a break from, and, and I'm pretty sure the, the players enjoy that part of it. Right, yeah. I'm assuming they got quite a few little days off in between the bye week. But in your experience, like, 
How real is like rust when it comes to like a bye week? Would, do you still feel like bye weeks benefit teams? Because obviously it gives them longer to game plan. It gives them longer to heal up. Or do you feel like, I mean, or is there a kind of a rhythm that you built up playing every weekend? I mean, what, what, what's your take on that? What do you think? Um, I, I don't think it really mattered. <laughs> Seriously. Um, I, I think a lot of people, they – they say that the whole, you know, rest thing. I think maybe like going into the playoffs where now all of a sudden, you know, if you have a bye week that, you know, wild card weekend, I think, you know, the the energy, everything is kind of like ramped up. So I think you can you might be, you know, caught off guard a little bit there if you don't prepare the right way. But as far as um, you know, during the season, yeah, nah, I I don't think it, you know, rustiness and all that. No, nah, I don't, I don't think so. Especially not this early. Bye week's a good thing, no matter what. Just does there's not really any rust to shake off. There's not really really any bad things about a bye week. That was a yes sir. That was that was a question, dude. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, the answer. Okay. All right, all right. So we're we're still we're still getting in, in tune here. But so anyways, back to the back to the, the, the current status of the San Francisco 49ers. They're three and you know, obviously, everybody, most, almost everybody played football last weekend. Uh, the 49ers have only played three games compared to everybody else's four. Uh, but they're 3-0. They are yet to lose a game, which means that they are first in the NFC West. Um, the Rams just lost last weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the same Tampa, I believe the score was 50-44. to 44. I'd have to go back and look. I, I think 55. I think, they, I, I, I think the, the Bucs scored 55, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. I can't remember the score exactly. But the the point being is that this was the same Tampa Bay Buccaneers that the 49ers beat. Uh, I think it was 31 to 17, uh, week one, and uh, and gave them a pretty thorough uh, ass whooping. So I mean, it was interesting for a while, but then the 49ers kind of took it. And, and Did you see Richard it. Sherman's comments on, uh, to Ryan Clark about it? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. You gotta, <laughs> hey, bring it. Enlighten, enlighten the listeners on 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 what on Sherman's comments. So I, I don't have it in front of me, but um, you know Ryan Clark, 49er fans have been. Hey, you know what? Um, I, I get off subject a lot, but so the 49er fans, I think they are kind of starting to be known as like a group of fans that will attack you in the media if you say something wrong on TV. So you've had Ryan Clark, who they attacked. You've had um, Adam Rank, who has been attacked. Um, I've been part of this. <laughs> but uh, I heard somebody, I saw somebody on TV today, and he had, I think it was a top 10 on NFL Network. And I don't think he had the 49ers in it. And the the lady asked him about it, like, oh, you don't have the 49ers. And he was like, oh, yeah. And he said his reasoning why or whatever. And the lady said, you might want to brace yourself, 49ers Twitter. Like, they will let you hear about this. And he was like, oh, bring it on. But it's kind of like the 49ers fan base is kind of starting to get known as a, a group that they'll let you know. You know, they'll let right. you know right. if, how, how, exactly how they feel about, uh, you know, what you're saying about them. But, um, you know, uh, Ryan Clark. He had some choice words about the 49ers group, basically saying um, that they were pretenders. Now, it, it was a, a segment on the TV where it was like, you're either, you know, are you a contender or a pretender? He said pretender and said and said that he even had the bills over the Niners. And 49ers fans let him hear about it, especially after beating his uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Um, well, he basically had said also, you know, 49ers haven't beat anybody, right? They beat the Buccaneers. 
they're, they're not anybody or whatever. Well, you have now you you know the Bucks beat the the Rams, and Ryan Clark gave the Bucks props for beating them, and and uh, Richard Sherman basically said, "Oh, now it's you know, like what a coincidence! Like now it's cool. Like the Bucks beat the Rams, so now they're a team. But when it was the 49ers that beat them, like you weren't saying that, you know. So that that's kind of like the little backstory." Right, and I think you basically came back to him. I think he, he quote tweeted Richard Sherman and basically said, like, you know, that the 49ers have been given a ton of props, you know, like talking about the things the 49ers done well that they've mentioned on the show or whatever. You know, it's basically saying he, that they haven't ignored the 49ers, but at the same time, the biggest thing that you've heard this whole time about the 49ers being 3-0 and is that they haven't played any really talented uh, opponents. They've, they've beaten the Bucks, who... I think people might be like, oh, well, maybe they're actually talented, given they just kind of throttled the Rams in Los Angeles. And then they beat the Bengals, who the Bengals have been really bad. They haven't been good at they all. They are bad. So yeah. they're officially bad. I think we can we – can They kind of stink. And they got a new head coach. What's his name? Zach Sanchez? What, what's his name? Zach, uh, Zach Taylor, I think his name is. Okay, I don't know where I got Sanchez from. kind of comes from the, uh, the Shanahan – ish coaching tree was he on right. the rams i i know so he, he had- was on the rams uh, i right. believe as the offensive coordinator but he actually um started with the redskins he was the quarterback coach so i know a lot of people they do kind of tie him to mcveigh and they actually say mcveigh coaching tree i don't know if, does that bother you? it bothers me a little bit i don't know it's like shani is the guy that kind of got this guy started but um yeah i, I it's probably a good thing that kyle doesn't you know, they don't associate him with Kyle Shanahan's coaching tree right now because this dude's getting his ass worked every week. <laughs> right, he is. And he's not dealing with the best squad. You know, he's, it's it's whatever. But but I think they're better than this, though, right? They, they have I talent. Think so. if you, you have Tyler Boyd, he's a thousand-yard receiver. You have, you have John right. Ross, who looks like he's coming to his own. You have Andy Dalton, where regardless of how anybody feels about him, more times than not, probably throughout his career, he's been in the playoffs. Right, I mean, he's been in the playoffs a ton. Like, you know, you have Joe Mixon, you have Gino Bernard. He's been a a part of these good teams. So, is so for them to be playing as poorly as they have been, they have talented secondary. They have a really good, you know, front on the defensive line. There's really no excuse for them to be getting their ass whooped this bad, like week in and week out. Like they got destroyed by the Steelers. They got destroyed. Yeah. So there's another correlation with the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers beat the Steelers uh, despite turning the ball over five times. The 49ers still beat the Steelers. So, and that was a game where if you were actually watching the game, it looked like the 49ers were were handling the Steelers really well. They were driving down the field. They were moving the ball with ease. The defense was playing really well. The offense just kept turning it over. And you know, even though the score was kind of close, you can. When any time a team turns the ball over five times and still manages to win, the 49ers had like 15 to 20, 15 more snaps than the Steelers did, despite the fact that they gave them the ball five times. Uh, you know, that, that kind of clues you into a little bit of like the it wasn't as good of a game as, as it seemed. Like, if that makes any sense, I think the 49ers were quite a bit better than the Steelers. They just yeah. did their absolute best. The entire time I was like, yeah, Niners, game. Niners have this. Like, the, the whole right. time. That's what I was thinking. I never, uh, well, that last little Jet that last fumble, fumble, that was the yeah, one. There you go. I was there like, eh, I don't know. Right. But up until then, I was extremely confident that the 49ers were always going to win that game. So up until this point, the 49ers have been kind of doubted as far as, you know, they've, they've been labeled a pretender by a lot of people. You know, I've seen that article, type of article uh, all over the place. And right now, they're, they're the only undefeated team in the NFC. 
and they're one of only three undefeated teams in the NFL, along with the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. So now I think it's fair to say that the Chiefs and the Patriots are on another another level right now. But depending on how the next four or five games go, uh, you know, maybe the 49ers start to slowly creep up to that level in the fact that, you know, they've got some winnable games coming up. We'll talk about those. But the 49ers, to me, one of my one of, one of the things that's impressed me is they've just been a super well-rounded team. Like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing well. The offense is, I think it's it's fourth in total offense because they average 421 yards per game, which is really solid. Fourth in the NFL. And, it, you know, most people, when you tell them that, they're like, oh, well, uh, yards don't mean anything. What about points? Well, the 49ers are third in the NFL in scoring. They average 32 points a game, which, you know, 30, anytime anybody puts up 32 points, they're having a good game. So, and then, and, you know, on defense, they're, they're third total defense, and they allow 18 points per game, which is eighth. So they have a top, like, you know, t- almost top five units on both sides of the ball, which is not just what we're used to talking about when it comes about the 49ers, especially over the last couple of years. Um, they've been really good, especially like the fact that, you know, everybody always says that, you know, your offense needs to run through the ground game, where the 49ers on the ground have been, like, dominant. Like they, you know, they average uh, 175 yards rushing a game, which is second in the NFL. And Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert combined for 5.7 yards a carry. Both of them, I think Raheem's at 5.9 and Breida's at like 5.5 or something like that. And like, dude, that's, that's a first down every two plays. That's yeah, no, it's insane. Yeah, that, it that, insane. that doesn't make any sense. And so it's just now the 49ers haven't played the best teams, but they've Good teams dominate bad teams, and and from a statistical standpoint, the 49ers have done that pretty well. Now, you know, obviously turnovers are part of the game, but they've just been a really well-rounded team, and it's it's been cool to watch. And I think that their Monday night matchup against the Browns, I think that in in a lot of ways, the Browns are the or not in every way, almost the Browns are the best team they've faced. And hey, what do you think happens when Tevin Coleman comes back? Right, I know, and that's and and I don't even know. I mean, is that that's a, no matter what? That's a good thing to get somebody as talented as Tevin Coleman back because Tevin Coleman was playing well before he got he got hurt. He got he uh, he hurt his ankle in week one, um, and he looked good throughout training camp. He looked like he earned the lead bo- lead back role. So it's you know, it's just going to be weird to see how they deploy it and who's inactive because the forty nine. I would have to say it's probably Jeff Wilson because as well as he's done, he's really only been utilized as like a a, a goal line back. You know, like just punch this one in. And they weren't exactly touchdowns. He scored four touchdowns in two games. And they weren't exactly touchdowns that I feel like other the other running backs couldn't have got. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, one, he kind of really pushed a pile. I'll say this. When Jeff Wilson was being you know released and, and put on uh, practice squad, I, I was saying that the, it, it sucked. I, I, I mean, I thought it was going to happen, but it, it sucked because, you know, it's like he does bring a different dynamic with how he runs the rock. Oh yeah, now, he, he will run right over you. Yeah, he he runs extremely hard. I, I just didn't think that it was something that was a necessity for the Niners. Now, with how they are utilizing the three backs right now, I I think that they have a really good balance with what they want, and guys have a specific roles. Um, I, I do think you know obviously Mostert and Bird are a little bit interchangeable, but they still are different. Um, with some of the things that they like to do. It seems like they throw more screens at Mostert than they do Breda. Um, and maybe for good reason, we saw that, you know, tip pass that ended up being intercepted. But with how they're using Jeff Wilson on the goal line, I, I think he really excels there. 
Um, he might only average three yards a carry throughout the season, but might have 12 touchdowns. <laughs> well, yeah, he, um, might, he might average three yards a carry because he only has three yards to go. Like, you know, right. I mean, exactly. he exactly. can't average any more than that because they're using him on the goal line. Exactly. But, you know, I, I think as of right now, I, I really wouldn't mess with that, the dynamics of the running back room with that. I would actually lean towards having Coleman on the inactive list until I just really need him, right? Until I just really need to play him. You know, so if Mostert goes down or Brady goes down, like, cool, you know? Or even if Jeff Wilson goes down, okay. But I think, you know, Mostert with not just his, you know, now it's like, well, he's kind of being really looked, viewed as a running back. But for the, for the longest, he had been viewed as a special teams ace, and he's still that, right? So not only does he give you the, you know, 5.9 yards per carry, but he's also your one of your best special teams players that you have. And then Jeff Wilson being the short yardage guy, and I'm pretty sure he's doing his thing on special teams. I don't really have to play Coleman just yet. And why not kind of just preserve him and save him? And, and if I have to play him, and then play him. But they're paying him a lot of money, so I don't think they're paying him money to sit him. So I'm pretty sure, you know, when he is healthy, you'll see him back in the lineup. Yeah, I, I, I can see both ways. You know, I can see the point of the fact that they're paying Coleman. I bet Shanahan probably thinks Coleman is their lead back. He's the most comfortable with him. I mean, I, w- I would say he's the most comfortable with him because he had a history with him, but he's been with Brita and Mostert for long enough now to where, you know, he's got just as much experience with them as he does Coleman. So it, it, that doesn't really apply. It, it, you know, I can see both ways. It, it, if you are paying for him, but at the same time, if the 49ers, you know, really think that they have a chance at, at going into the playoffs, then being able to sit one of those guys and have them fresh while you're trying to make a run is a huge advantage. You know, fresh legs are, are dominant in, in a game like this where everybody's being grinded down. So it's, it'll be an, it's an interesting conversation because I, I think I lean towards the way you're saying and the fact that do you really want to mess with the dynamic that has been so successful over the last two three games I mean just extremely successful and I'm, right, right. <laughs> like literally one of the best backfields in the NFL which is which is significant because that's what a lot of people kind of thought they had going into the season and no they did not have this superstar you know Todd Gurley Melvin Gordon whatever type of running back you want to can, you know Dalvin Cook, but they have. Which would be nice to guys. have, but it, it doesn't right. seem like it's a necessity. No, it doesn't. You know they don't have Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, but at the same time, they have guys that are producing to the same effect. Like they, you know, it's like a transformer. You know, they break down, and there's like three of them there. So it's. <laughs> I have I have no complaints in, in like I said you know with the stats and, and the way they performed I have zero complaints with the 49ers backfield I could see where Crocker's coming from by saying you probably shouldn't even mess with it at the same time like you said they're paying uh, Coleman a lot so I, I doubt they just kind of sit him and I doubt that it's they might just try and find other ways to where they have all four of them active and they might try and get all four of them snaps you know what I mean it's just it's crazy I don't know but that's a that's a great problem to have. You know, like no matter which way you look at it, having too many effective running backs, especially in Shanahan's offense is, oh, well, like, you know, like I, I asked Shanahan before the season at the start of training camp when him and John Lynch did their press conference. And this is at the time when they expected to get Jarek McKinnon back soon. Uh, you know, I asked Shanahan what it felt to have four legitimate starting running backs. And he kind of lit up like, like, especially compared to last season, you know, he's like, God damn, like, at least I don't have to promote guys from the practice squad. And it's funny. They ended up having to do that anyway, but Jeff Wilson <laughs> right. played well enough to, you know, be considered a, a legitimate part of that backfield. So, and, you know, and on the top of running backs, 
just to stay focused on, on their matchup with Cleveland, they're going to face a really, really good one on Monday because Nick Chubb is lighting it up like in, in the best way. He was he carried the ball 20 times against the Baltimore Ravens, which don't have a slouch defense. It's not as good as it, it once was, but they don't have a bad defense by any means. And he carried the ball 20 times and ran for 165 yards and three touchdowns. Now, one of those, I think, I think 85 yards was on one run, right? I, th- I think he he turned off like an 85 88 yarder that's what it is yeah um so that's but that's not a that doesn't skew the stats that just means the dude's capable of breaking off a huge run right defense you know and I hate when people do that they're like oh well if you take away this run then it's only this and I'm like yeah but why would you take away the <laughs> best play of the game like that doesn't right. make any doesn't make any sense so and I think that kind of plays in what the, what the 49ers game plan has to be because Nick Chubb has proven that he's very effective, but at the same time, I don't think Baker Mayfield really has shown that he's, you know, he's been okay. He hasn't been horrible. I would just say he's been about in the middle of the pack of, of NFL quarterbacks. And so to me, the, the obvious game plan is to, to keep Nick Chubb from doing any of this 88 yard stuff and to, to hopefully force some, some longer third downs with Baker Mayfield. I mean, and, you know, the, it goes – it's kind of this weird, like, conundrum the 49ers have because while you want to throw force Baker Mayfield to throw, you've also got Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and you have your minus your number two cornerback. So, you know, it's it's kind of going both ways. But is, I know you have – Denzel Warback? Because I think they were they were minus their – are you talking about, our, like, 49ers number two? Yeah, I'm talking about okay. the fact that – to me, I would want to force Baker Mayfield to throw and work work his magic because he seems like he's kind of prone to some mistakes. But at the same time, the Odell or excuse me, the Browns' receiving core is legit. You know, should be one of the best in the NFL. They haven't performed like one of the best in the NFL. But you know, and you're and you're you're like daring them to throw, given and you're down your one of your top cornerbacks in Akella Witherspoon, who's still recovering from that ankle injury. So you know, the Forty ers are kind of in an interesting spot. But I know you have. At least a little bit of faith in in, in Emmanuel Mosley, right? Right. So you know, obviously, I wrote the um, article, uh, kind of comparing the situation between uh, Emmanuel Mosley and Terrell Brown, and really kind of what I wanted to highlight there wasn't so much that oh, I think Emmanuel Mosley is just this great cornerback or anything like that, but just sometimes guys just need an opportunity, right? And that, that's my right. biggest thing. Like you know. I tell people all the time, and you know, I think they look at the NFL and they view the rosters as just like everybody's just these star-studded guys. And sometimes it's like, man, it's just there, there are a few legit stars, right? But most of your roster is just made up of guys that do their jobs, do their jobs well, pay attention to detail, and are able to execute the scheme that it is that you you know want them to play it. And I think Mosley is a guy that can do something like that. And I thought Terrell Brown, who I spoke with a bit. He was a guy like that as well, right? He wasn't just some shutdown, lockdown corner, but in the 49ers scheme, they ran a lot of cover four. He was really good at it. And I I, I think Mosley, with what the 49ers do, I think he has a skill set to do it. Um, I think in preseason, he showed that he has the talent to do it. Uh, now it's just being able to do it on the highest level against, you know, this, I mean... The you're playing against Odell Beckham yeah. in your first start. So, you know, that's it, – it's tough, but, you know, talking to him, you know, he seems like a very well-grounded young man. 
um, he's definitely up for the challenge. Like, he looks at this like, man, like this is just a great opportunity. Not so much like, damn, I got a guard Odell and Jarvis Landry. I, I don't think he's looking at it like that at all. So no, he's not he scared can't. of it. He he's up for the challenge. There's no athlete, no real athlete that's ever going to look at it like that. Like they they see mostly will see this as a chance to achieve greatness. You know what I mean? If he goes out there and locks down. Odell Beckham or Jarvis Landry, or at the very least, has a good game. Then you know he's 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 proving himself as a corner that e- either needs to be, you know, has a more prominent role in the 49ers or a prom- more prominent role in another team. And so it's going to be fun to see him him take that on. Now, the one thing that the the 49ers do have going for them is the fact that I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to be that comfortable. Even uh, Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens said today that. The 49ers are the best defensive front they've faced so far. And if there's one thing that I think the 49ers will do is they're going to get after Baker Mayfield and they're going to force him to run around and chuck balls and make mistakes. And, you know, the 49ers pass rush has been one of my like most positive takeaways of the season because they're for real. They're not they're exactly what you'd expect from a, a defensive front that has five first round picks. Um, and especially now that, you know, Eric Armstead for a while was kind of like the forgotten man, kind of like the first round pick that didn't play like a first round pick or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, but now he's right there with DeForest. The, the season he's having is just as good as DeForest Buckner's, if not better. Has DeForest Buckner seemed kind of like MIA? Like- sort of. I think he's probably doing a lot of dirty work now. And I'm not a, a big scheme guy. I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly how an offense adjusts to that new wide nine thing because I know they have the 49ers have a lot more room in between their defensive linemen now um, because they kick their their ends out a little wider. So that leaves more space. And I think he's been getting double teamed quite a bit more. One, he just had a monster season. So defenses are going to start to key on him. But if I'm not mistaken, he's probably exposed to quite a bit more double teams because, you know, if a guy, if you're, if you're a guard and there's not a defensive lineman lining right up in right in front of you or in your shade, then you're probably your next, your next scheme is to, to down block or, you know, double team the guy that's closest to you. You know what I mean? Like I, right. I I'm exposing a little bit of my ignorance here, but which is fine with me. Um, it's just, I, that's kind of how it happens. So it could be a combination of that. I mean, he has two sacks. Uh, he had a monster game against the uh, against the Steelers. He was all over the place. I, I, and I can see if I could pull it up here real quick. Um, even Kyle Yuschek was was in my Twitter when I tweeted about it, saying like that's that's like a busy man right there. Uh, let me see where it's at. Okay, right here. Yeah, DeForest Buckner had ten total tackles. Oh wow, the Steelers, and that's crazy for a defensive lineman. That's crazy for a linebacker. No, yeah, and that's ridiculous. And he had he had a sack. He had two quarterback hits, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery on one game, which is nuts. That's that's nuts for any player yeah. on defense. So if, if if it were the Super Bowl, like he would probably be de- uh, <laughs> right, MVP, right, right? Right. But but unfortunately, no one paid much attention to that because they didn't expect the Steelers' offense to be good, and the 49ers' offense was just turning the ball over like crazy. So it was kind of overshadowing Buckner. But Buckner has two sacks. Armstead has two sacks. D. Ford has two sacks. Bosa officially has one sack. Pro Football Focus has him with two because I think there was one where him and Armstead kind of shared it. Um, right. they ended up giving it to Armstead. Um, Solomon Thomas has has one sack. Ronald Blair has one sack. It's they've got a lot of guys. Ronald Blair's playing out of his mind. Like that's a guy that I wouldn't even let walk, you know, and he's that could get interesting. But the 49ers defensive front is crazy. And then behind him, you've got 
Quan Alexander and Fred Warner, who are both playing really well. So the 49ers defense is scary. And really the only one spot where you can kind of, you know, wonder what you got is, is where is the number two cornerback opposite Richard Sherman and then kind of safety still Chris Tart's been playing good at strong safety. Uh, Tavarius Moore has made a couple plays, but he's also given up a couple plays, which is to be expected for a guy of his level of experience. I've been saying I would like to see Jimmy Ward back there. That could happen. Um, you know, he's he's coming back from that broken finger, and I know the 49ers really like him back there. Tavarius Moore just had such a good offseason, they kind of had to go with him, and, and the broken finger kind of forced their hands. So it's, you know, it could be interesting because Ward can play corner too. Does he compete with Mosley? Does he, you know, does he does he go back and play a free safety? Who knows? I, 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 would, I would stick with Mosley at corner. Um, just my personal assessment – uh, I don't see anything at cornerback that Ward has done better than Moore. I mean, uh, Ward has done better than Mosley. So, right. That you know, just 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 from the eye test, just from practice, um, just kind of watching them at practice, watching them both like play outside corner in games. I mean, even if you look at like preseason last year, Jimmy Ward got bombed on against the Cowboys for a touchdown. I mean, you know, it's just I, I didn't see anything with Ward. Outside playing corner that stands out to is like oh yeah just just bump him over over uh, Mosley like I I, I just win. And I think it's always important to find out what you got like especially right. when the you have to. makes sense like when when Mosley seems like the guy to step in there then let him step in there and see what you got like right. what if you've got a what if you got a really good player that you know that you know all the because that will affect moves I'm not saying this is you know if Mosley plays great all of a sudden you can write off. Jalen Ramsey or something like that. I'm saying that, like, you know, if Mosley plays really good in this in this situation, which Browns are going to be coming at him with a lot, then you know you've got a really really good good cornerback in your depth chart, and you maybe you make you don't make a move that you thought you needed to make, you know, whatever that move might be. So I'm with you, man. I think that if, if the situation dictates that Mosley should play, then he should play. Yeah, and I know one thing I told Mosley, um, you know, when I talked to him, you know, kind of interviewing him and stuff, but. So I'm leaning into this game and like just challenge yourself, challenge yourself. That that was one thing um, when I was playing arena ball. Uh, someone told me, Croc, they're they're gonna score more times than not anyways. So you might as well challenge yourself and try to force some turnovers, and instead of just playing soft and giving up catches and all that. I was like, man, you know what? You're right. And I ended up with 11 interceptions <laughs> that year. Right. And that's that's how I coach my my middle schoolers too, man. It's like, look, like if you're making a legitimate aggressive play on a ball, and you're not just being sloppy and forgetting your technique, I'm never gonna get mad at you for that. Like, dude, I, if I can see what you're thinking on tape and you're just going for it, then go for it. Like, yeah, there, I have this play with uh, Mosley uh, from the preseason, and he had a nice press bail, and you can see him hesitate in the middle. Like, you could see like you feel it. Like, you feel the route. You know exactly what he's running. Like, in your head, like, your mind is telling you he's running this. But you didn't quite trust it. And you gave up a little, you know, six-yard catch, whatever. That's that's not much. But I think you can be a guy that breaks that up and there's no catch, you know. But just trust it. Trust and it and, and the, challenge uh, you yourself. No catch. Like, you get to look up at the stand, the fans and go, yeah, you did no catch, no catch. Right. And, and point at the, <laughs> you know, we see a lot of what. I think that's the biggest that's difference with Witherspoon this year. Like, Witherspoon is challenging himself. You know, he's breaking up balls. He's pointing at quarterbacks. You know, like, stop throwing at me. Like, well, you know. I mean, it's – and what's what's interesting that you say that is because the biggest thing I saw from Witherspoon this offseason that kind of was like, 
okay, we might be dealing with somebody different here. You know what I mean? Like it was just a confidence, like a little bit of swagger. And what's interesting you say that because I feel like I see the same thing in Mosley a little bit. Like he, you know, the opportunities he has gotten, the reps he has gotten, I've never really seen him get embarrassed. He's always competing. He's usually right around the play. I, I, I can't recall a point throughout all of training camp where the guy was just severely beaten. You know, he was probably behind Sherman and Witherspoon. He was probably the corner I had the most faith in, so to speak, even, even with Verrett there. Now Verrett had his, he looked good in, in, in his place. Obviously didn't look good against the Steelers, but you know, Mosley's like, he's not like, how do I explain this? He's not like a guy at the bottom of the depth chart that you're scared to throw out there. I don't feel like he's that type of guy. I feel like he has just as good a chance to shine as he does, you know, struggle, even against the Browns. I just, I feel like, I mean, maybe I'm feeding a little off you here, but I, I feel like I've always had a little bit of confidence in him and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does out there, you know, and, and it's a good thing he'll have the benefit of a brutal 49ers pass rush because that helps any DB. Yeah. So what do you think the keys are to the 49ers, like pulling off this game? You got Monday Night Football, Home game, the 49ers are 3-0. Crowd's going to be rocking. You got some rock stars coming in from Cleveland in Odell, Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett. I don't. I mean, he's probably, I mean, outside of Shaquille Barrett right now, uh, Miles Garrett's probably, you know, up there for a defensive MVP. Oh, Khalil Mack's kind of balling too. But what, what keys to the game do you think, like, if you can kind of sum it all up to what one thing what the 49ers have to do to win? You know, if it to me, it comes down to the defense to me. And they've obviously rose to the occasion so far. They've been impressive. But to me, it comes down to the defense because I feel like Kyle Shanahan's always going to have that offense humming. And the Browns' defense is nothing special. Now, you do have Miles Garrett, and I feel like Miles Garrett is the one person on the Browns you've got a game plan for. Now, interestingly enough, the, the Steelers' defensive front is no joke. Uh, you know, it's not quite, they don't have a guy like Miles Garrett, but TJ Watt was no joke. Um, Bud Dupree was no joke. And the, just the way they bring pressure is impressive. And the 49ers were able to come out of that with just, I think it was just one sack and make no mistake. Jimmy Garoppolo was dodging quite a bit. You know, he was moving and, and making throws under pressure, but I feel like it's the reverse for the 49ers. I feel like if they're, if their pass rush and their blitzes and their, you know, their pressure is on point, then I feel like. Baker Mayfield is going to give give the ball up a couple of times, you know, whether that's scrambling and getting hit and fumbling or just taking a shot downfield that he shouldn't have thrown. To me, if I if I had to pinpoint, there's a bunch of things I could list out, but to me, if I had to pinpoint one thing the 49ers need to do is just get after Baker Mayfield. Just get after him, force him to scramble around and, and try to make those throws that he tries to make. And I think the 49ers defense, even with Emmanuel Mosley, is good enough to still capitalize on those mistakes, you know. What about you, man? Was there is hopefully I didn't just if I didn't just take your 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 thing. What about oh, you? Oh no, um, I, I I think okay. So two things. One on the defensive side of the ball, the biggest thing to me, um, don't give up the big play because a team like the the Browns they're gonna feed off of that. So first thing I want to do, play sound defense. Don't give up the big play. And I feel like if you make the Browns have to march down the field. That's when Baker Mayfield is going to take a chance and end up turning the ball over. So that's my number one key for the defense. Don't give up the big play. And offensively, is just don't turn over the ball. I think with our offense and the weapons that we have, and yeah, it's going to be an you know with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, it's going to be an extremely difficult offense for anybody to stop. 
Now, we don't have that just like the, you know, that superstar name, talented guy, the, you know, Julio Jones or whatever the case is. But I think you have a lot, like I talked about Mosley being kind of like a sound guy, you know, hey, just make sure you do your job, blah, blah. Like, I, I think you have a lot of guys on offense that, one, we do have some speed. We have a really good team speed. Um, but you have some sound guys, and it seems like there's guys that um, they execute the the game plan. Whatever Kyle Shanahan's game plan is, they execute that you have very a bunch well. Of guys that are that are doing their job, right? They're doing their job, and then they can do some. I mean, they they can do their job and some, right? Uh, Shanahan's going to put them in place to catch the ball and run um, because of the run game with, with just the natural athleticism that the 49ers running backs have. Like they're going to break some big runs, ten. 15-yard runs, like, that's going to happen. So it's just don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't fumble the ball. If you, As long as the 49ers don't do that, um, I, I mean, I, I don't see too many, especially like you, we saw in the Steelers game. They have a pretty good defense. Steelers have a good defense, pass rush. I mean, you know, people talk about Miles Garrett. Uh, he, we just went up against T.J. Watt. He had 13 sacks last year. Double-digit sacks uh, his rookie year, too, I believe. Um, so, you know, it's – just don't shoot yourself in the foot. Like, don't fumble. Don't fumble tosses. Don't fumble three times inside the 10. Like, that's ridiculous. So, 49ers don't do that. And and, <laughs> and they limit the big plays on offense. I, I, I don't I don't think this game is relatively close. Like, I, I just think the 49ers kind of right. Right now, I, I think if everything goes right. I mean, we saw them win when everything was going wrong. We saw what it looks like when things go right, although the Bengals might just really just suck. But when things are going right, 49ers, I mean, they're a well-oiled machine. Kyle Shanahan's going to have them cooking. Robert Sala, man, he's, he's, been, he's been pretty good. I saw some changes last year, some of the things he was doing, and I thought he was heading in the right direction. But to kind of see it all come together, obviously you have a lot of you know added talent to the secondary and more continuity um, you know, outside of Witherspoon. Everybody else is, you know, been playing and you know nobody's really hurt like that uh it's it's been really good to see how he has grown just as a defensive coordinator from year one to you know now year three so yeah just man don't give up the big play and I think 49ers be all right yeah and I think you know what's interesting too is up until the Browns beat the Ravens no one was taking the Browns very seriously you know, they got right. in week one, they got thundered by the Titans, you know, 43 to 13. They got beat down and the Titans haven't been a good football team in the meantime. So that was like a huge uh, back to reality for the Browns who had so much hype going going from the offseason. And then they beat the Jets 23 to three. And I think that that might have been the game where Sam Darnold is first the first game Sam Darnold missed. So, you know, that wasn't really anything anybody wanted to take note of. Then they lost to the Rams 20 to 13, which was kind of a, a really weird game if you watched it. It was it was just real sloppy. And then they go out and beat the Ravens, who had a ton of momentum going into that game. Lamar Jackson was playing out of his mind, and and the Browns put a pretty pretty good whooping on him. And I think uh it, you know, even 40 to 25 doesn't really uh, do justice to how bad the the Browns beat them. So, I feel like, you know, maybe what we saw against the Ravens is what the Browns are and what they're going to be, or maybe it's, you know, they had a really good game and maybe the Browns are closer to what we've seen from them earlier. So I, it's, it's weird, but one I thing think when you look at that score though, because, because I watched that game, when you look at the score, it, it looks worse than what the game actually was. I mean, it was like a three point game at halftime and 
I'm I mean, people can talk about the Ravens. I think they kind of crowned them and I mean, but you you played the Dolphins and then you played the Cardinals. Like those are literally the two worst teams in the NFL. <laughs> you know, right, right, yeah. like literally the two worst teams. I mean, the 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 Dolphins are getting beat by twenty plus points every single game. Cardinals are a little bit more competitive, but okay, Lamar Jackson, like you you did well against them. What are you going to do against you know uh, a more formative uh, opponent? The Chiefs game really wasn't close. Not like what the score no. looked. No, like the Ravens really I was watching that game um I was at the stadium but we were watching it before the 49ers game that game wasn't close they just scored late to make it look close and then you get beat by the the Browns who you know I, I just don't think the Ravens are good so not to take anything away from the the Browns you have to win and you have to beat your opponent but I them going into this game I don't think it's something to where 49ers the only thing I would say is you can't – you have to jump on these guys early because I think they do have the guys where if you – if you 49ers drive down, first possession, score a touchdown, and then come come back out and get a stop, I think they're going to fold. I think they're going to fold right away. I think Miles Garrett still keep playing, but I think that's when you'll start seeing everybody else press. Right, and I, and I, and I do think the 49ers have, you know – they should be the favorites to win. I think I do like him. Should though. win, you know. Oh yeah, did, did, did you see those pictures of him running in, in high school track? <laughs> nah. Somebody posted somebody posted a, a thing on Twitter that basically said, "Imagine if you're up on the line getting ready to run your hundred meter sprint, and big old Nick Chubb comes and pops down next to you, and the dude was like twice as big as everybody else. He looked like he outweighed every other sprinter by a hundred pounds of pure muscle." And it was just a couple of pictures of him like lining up. One of them was him doing like a standing jump, just kind of stretching and jumping into the air. And he looked like he was like clearing the other guy's heads like that. It, it's just one of those pictures that you see where it shows you how freak athletes NFL players usually are. Like it, it was just unreal. The guy looked like like he could have been some of the other high schoolers father. Like he looked like he could be their dad. And it was just it was nuts how, how <laughs> grown he looked compared to them. But before we keep talking 49ers. Um, we've got to get a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Indochino. They were founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Everybody knows how good a man looks like in a well-fitted suit. Either you've been in one or you've seen one. Uh, a well-fitted suit does a lot for your looks. Uh, Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they're affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. You choose your fabric, pick your customizations, submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can measure and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Blue Wire for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. And speaking of not fitting, we all know how tough it is. To, uh, to sell online and get your orders out it can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need, need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. 
ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. Now, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners, that's you here at Striking Gold, can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use offer code BLUE. That's B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code BLUE. B-L-U-E. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. The one thing I want to make sure we at least touch on before we jump out of here um, is the 49ers have the Browns on Monday. Obviously, we know that. And then the following week on Sunday, they're playing the Rams. And that is a huge game. Um, And it could very well be for the... You know the 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 crown of the division at that point. We'll see because because uh, on uh, Thursday tomorrow, actually it's today when you guys are going to be hearing this, uh, the Rams play the Seahawks. So that is going to give one of the two three and one teams in the NFC West another loss. So no matter what happens, the 49ers aren't leaving first place. Uh, at, let's say they, they just happen to lose to uh, the. No 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 no. I know I can't say that. I know I, I've got wood right here. I'm knocking. I got it. Um, so the 49ers aren't leaving first place, even if they end up three and one. So they got the Rams, and that could be for you know for the outright lead of the NFC West, or it sounds like it will be no matter what. And because um, both Rams and the the Seahawks are three and one, and then they've got the Redskins, they've got the they've got the Redskins at Washington, they've got Carolina Panthers at home, and then they've got the Cardinals at Arizona, which is like there's you know the Rams are the biggest challenge, but. The 49ers, and then after that, what, the Seahawks at home? Yeah, Seahawks at home. Um, and I think that is a – yeah, that's another Monday night game. Then you have the Cardinals again. The 49ers have a, a long <laughs> slate of winnable games. Very winnable. You know, and yeah. that's you know that's the NFL. Everybody's got a chance every week. But, you know, if the 49ers are what they look like, if they're not pretending, and if they're legit, I mean, you're looking at a very serious shot at going like 7-2. and two. You know, eight and one, you know, at the very least, even if you're like, to me, six and three seems like a disappointment, sort of, you know, and, and that's not a bad record whatsoever. So the 49ers are in a really good spot. If they can keep their team together and if they can stay healthy and if, if nothing else pops up as being like another problem for the 49ers to worry about, like, you know, some the Rams go out and absolutely thunder them like, oh, wait, we were too early to, to crown the 49ers here. If nothing like that happens, the 49ers have a a pretty, pretty interesting stretch, stretch of games, even going late into the season. You know, it gets a little more complicated with Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, um, you know, and then you finish with Falcons, Rams, Seahawks, it's, you know, Falcons or whatever. But the, it's you can see it. You can see the path, you know, and it, it, 
I don't know, man. I don't want to crown the, the 49ers. I don't want to call them a playoff <laughs> well, team. You, you got to take it one game at a time. And, and right. I will say this, you know, 49ers you don't win have on to Monday take night. One game at a time. We're not playing out there, bro. Right. I mean, but, you know, just <laughs> the, the 49ers win Monday night. I think the best takeaway from that is there'll be two games ahead of either the Rams or Seahawks. Right. And I think that's Another huge. good way of putting it. I think that's huge. Yep. So the 49ers are uh, there. It's right there for the taking. That's probably my best way of putting it. Like the opportunity is there for them to almost, you know, to really set themselves up for a playoff run. Uh, they just have to, they just have to play a good football, play a good brand of football. Like Croc said, don't turn the ball over and play some sound defense. Cause it seems like they're set up to do. Uh, them playing the clean game. I think that'll, that'll put everybody's mind at ease. And, right. I, and I'm talking about the offense. I think the defense, you know, I, I think they'll do well. And, you know, maybe hopefully that, you know, they can hold down the, Browns offense, but I think the biggest thing is just uh, the offense playing a clean game, and I, I think that'll change the narrative on a lot of, you know, how people view the 49ers. Well, and, and theoretically, as time goes on, and as Jimmy Garoppolo gets more comfortable and he gets more strength in that leg, the offense should only improve, you know, unless something's going way wrong and, and you know, whatever, whatever, but the offense should get better. They should get better with time, and especially Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to become more comfortable in the offense. The guy still has not started a full season. So, you know, allow allow him to grow and, and become more comfortable. But, you know, I think that's, you know, kind of breaking down the season like that, kind of checking out what could be is a good place to, uh, to sign us off here. Um, as always, thank you very, very much for being here, listening to us. Um, we wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for you guys. Uh, just make sure you're checking out other other podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. It's growing like crazy. They're starting to bring in actual NFL players, and that's kind of a disrespect to Croc here, who was an actual NFL player. I got one right <laughs> here with me, and I'm sitting there. Yeah, hey, like, they got to check out the Press Coverage Podcast. Press right, Coverage yeah. Podcast is on the Blue Wire Network as well, so um, make sure you guys listen to that. I touched on some really good topics. Uh, it should be posted in the morning as well. So, yeah, after you guys listen to this one, make sure you guys listen to Press Coverage uh uh, yeah, I have some really good topics to talk about. Okay, so yeah, get, listen to listen to uh, listen to Crocs podcast. I know they just brought on like Taj Boyd, former Clemson quarterback. I know they uh, they just brought on Josh Johnson, Josh Johnson, who's a former 49ers quarterback. Uh, you know, kind of a former everybody's quarterback. But um, you know, there's just a lot going on. Also, there's Candlestick Chronicles uh, with Chris Peterman and Kyle Madsen. That's another uh, Blue Wire. 49ers podcast so there's a lot going on here uh, I'm just pumped to be a part of it I know Croc is too um, but again thanks for listening guys we appreciate you and uh, and for another weekly episode this is Striking Gold signing off Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.